You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Today I want to minister to you on the topic of supernatural expectation. How many know that in the world that we live in right now, there's a lot of people who were expecting good things that haven't happened and they're very discouraged and the natural expectation of many people has diminished quite a bit. But this isn't a message about that. Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, desire fulfilled is a tree of life, and that's wonderful. But I'm talking about a supernatural expectation of what God wants to do in your life today. And I think the church has drifted away from that to to a large degree in America and around the world. We have to remember the source of where our life comes from. It comes from God's Spirit touching us. And we need to have this expectation of the supernatural in our lives for new new birth, for divine healing, for supernatural increase. You have to have that supernatural expectation. And I want to talk about that today. So if you would, and you got your Bibles, uh, or look up at the screen, Romans chapter, or excuse me, Revelation 3. And I want to talk about one of the churches that Jesus prophesied to that most scholars believe that this church represents the end-time church uh, before he returns, the church of Laodicea. Now, I want you to notice what it says. And the angel of the church, or the messenger of the church, that's what the word angelos means there, the uh, church of Laodicea, right? These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, I want you to notice in the text the condition of the church that he's talking about is a church that is lukewarm. Say lukewarm. Now, if you study this out, you'll find that in Laodicea, one of the chief uh, complaints that they had in that city, in that community, was that the water was lukewarm. You had two mountain passes. And both uh, on one mountain, there had hot springs, and it would come down off the mountain, and it would go into the plains towards Laodicea, and by the time it got there, it was lukewarm. And then they also had uh, another mountain region, and this one they had cold water one had cold water other had hot springs and the water would come down into the valley where Laodicea was and it would become lukewarm so you could say that it was one of the great gripes of the people at Laodicea kind of like in the northwest what do we gripe about the rain (laughs) so Jesus makes a point and he says I've got a gripe with you that's similar to the gripe that you have and that is this you're lukewarm your works And my question to you is this. Why is the world with the church at Laodicea that represents the last condition of the church before they repent, because they will repent, God's word will not return void. But why is it that? I believe it, it has to do with this. I believe that the church around the world has backed off from expecting the supernatural. We get our financial needs met we get a good doctor we get good vitamins we're feeling good and we have a tendency to back off from the expectation of the supernatural in your life 
And I want to encourage you today, wherever you're at in your walk, no one gets saved unless God's Spirit draws them. No one comes to Christ unless God's Spirit awakens them to it. It is supernatural in the beginning, and it needs to be supernaturally as you grow, supernaturally as you go through life. That doesn't mean that we don't operate under the natural laws and things that we do in this world, but what my message today is this. I want you to expect the supernatural. We've got many people on drug addictions, we got many people with broken relationships that are demonic. And without this supernatural expectation that God will deliver them from that oppression, they will live and die with that oppression all their life. And so I believe as the church, we need to raise up and begin to expect what God's Word says. In other words, that God will, in fact bind and loosen the blessings god will in fact deliver people that are demonically oppressed god in fact will do all of these things but we have to prepare ourselves in order to do that and i'm going to show you one of the things that will create a spiritual expectation of the supernatural in your life today amen i'm going to give you three verses that will help you with this area ephesians 6 18 says that when you pray pray with all supplication and then it makes a statement in the spirit say in the spirit it's not talking about just being genuine it's talking about when you pray there should be a manifestation of the holy spirit when you're praying in other words you need to get at it until you can sense god's spirit in your prayer jude 20 says building up yourself in your most holy faith praying in the holy spirit when you pray in the Holy Spirit, it is a prayer language that God gives you. You build yourself up with that. In Ephesians 5, 18, Paul said, that, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, what do you mean be filled with the Spirit? In other words, Paul's saying when you come together in the church or in home, always take time to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Come to church not just to see your friends, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. And he uses drunkenness as a comparison. You know, when somebody gets drunk, they don't get drunk on the first drink. They get drunk because they've been sitting around drinking it all day long, amen, or all night, whatever. That's how they get intoxicated, by constantly drinking of it. He said, I want you not to take a sip of the Spirit. I want you to come under the influence of it in your life and be controlled by it. This is where dreams and visions and the supernatural work in your life, it always works within this area of being filled with the Spirit. In fact, I want you to write this down. The manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit operate in anyone in the church that is determined to be filled with the Spirit when they come to the church or when they're praying at home. In other words, the gifts operate when we're full of God's presence. That's when the word of knowledge comes. That's when the word of prophecy comes. That's when visions and dreams happen, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank God for friends. Thanks God for different ministries within the church. But when we come together, we need to worship God until the presence of God falls. We need to pray until we sense God in our prayer life. We need to seek God until there's a manifestation of the Holy Ghost in our lives because that, my friend, will bring you to a place where God's super 
supernatural expectation will ignite in your life and you'll see visions and dreams and God's spirit moving in a mighty way in your life. It's always the result of someone that got filled with the Holy Ghost. That's when the things start happening. That's when blessings start coming. I remember I was at a Holy, Holy Spirit conference years ago and I was there and when I started out, I was way in the back of the church and the worship of God began to worship and I remember it felt like rain coming on me and by the time the meeting was over I was all the way up to the front of the church and I was sitting there it was actually in a hotel but I was in the front row and I remember I was sitting there on that front row and the Holy Spirit told me at that moment he said I want you to get ready the pastor is going to lay hands on pastors in just a few seconds I wrote that down on my notes put it under my my chair and uh, Benny Hinn stopped right then and I went for the power of God hit me transforming it was the power of the Holy Spirit that did it I saw the most greatest change in my life from that amen so we need to come to church and be filled not filled with gossip, not filled with complaining, not filled with woe is me, I wish I had a cup of coffee before I came, but filled with the Holy Spirit of God in our life. Can someone give, me a, give God a praise this morning? Can someone shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph? I want to show you something from this that I believe is one of the great hindrances in the church today. And that is a scriptural understanding concerning the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And if you're watching me by television, I want you to understand something. I am a Pentecostal, charismatic, Baptist, on fire preacher that preaches everything in the Word, doesn't care what denomination it comes from. If it's in the Word, I grab hold of it and believe it. So I'm not in any particular camp, and I'm not picking on anybody. Amen? Amen? All right. But a lot of people struggle with, the, with speaking in unknown tongues. But let me show you what the Lord told me to tell you today. If you study out the Gospels, you'll find that in Jesus' resurrection, after he was raised from the dead, he appeared to 500 of his disciples. 500. And it records in Mark's gospel exactly what he said to those 500. Here's what he said. He said, these signs shall follow those who believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And then he said this, and I'm, I'm, I'm quoting this from the scripture. They will speak in new tongues. That's what he told the 500 after he had ascended from the dead. Amen. Now, there was only 120, obviously, that believed him because there was only 120 that waited in Jerusalem that he told them to wait for. And they were in Jerusalem, and they waited, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they all spoke in tongues. They didn't know what they were saying. The people outside in the community, the unbelievers, heard them speaking in their own dialect, but the apostles themselves had no idea what they were doing. They were speaking in an unknown tongue to themselves that's why in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 Paul says when you speak in tongues you don't understand what you're saying you're speaking mysteries to God say amen but here's where people get tripped up 
If you look in your Bible, you'll find that in 1 Corinthians 12 and over in 1 Corinthians 14, everything that you need to know about the ministry gift of tongues and interpretation is taught. And Paul starts out and he talks about the apostles' ministry, the apostles, uh, the prophets' ministry, all these offices that people walk in. And he describes these nine ministry gifts. One of those ministry gifts is tongues. The other is the interpretation of the tongue that he talks about. And he says in the end of chapter 12, he says this, are all apostles... The obvious question is no. Not everybody's called to be an apostle. Are all prophets? The answer is obviously no. Not, not everyone's called to be a prophet. And then he gets down and says, do all speak in tongues? And the answer is no. But he's not talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. He's talking about the office of tongues and interpretation within the community, within the church. Can you say amen? So we get stuck with that. And that's why it says in church, not everyone has that gift. But yet in Pentecost, when the Spirit fell, all 120 spoke in tongues. Why? Because they weren't operating in the office. They were operating from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me so far? I'm teaching this because if you want a high degree of expectation of the supernatural, you've got to be filled with the Spirit. And one of the ways we get filled with the Spirit is by praying in an unknown tongue. Say amen. Now, let me just say this. Those of you getting all freaked out about this. Pastor, I don't speak in tongues. I think I'm filled with the Spirit. Here's how you can tell you're filled with the Spirit. If when you sing, the manifestation of God's presence increases in your life, I'm talking about just singing songs, you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. I was raised in a traditional church, and I would sing and feel nothing. But once God's Spirit came on me and changed me, and I was filled with the power of God, when I sing Amazing Grace, I sing, come on, whatever it is. Oh, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And all my joy floods my soul. Something happened and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. Man, I feel the presence of God, see? So that, that's, the, that's the difference. If that's not happening in your life, you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. If you don't feel God's presence when you're praying and worshiping in church, then, then you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because tongues builds that up, praise God. It brings you to that place you can just break through into praise, break through into that. And the Bible said this. It says that if you have the office of tongues and interpretation, it says that the tongue spoken in the church needs to be interpreted, not translated, interpreted. A lot of people miss this. They hear somebody praying in tongues, and then there's a, a, a brief 
uh, interpretation of it, and they go, well, that was shorter than the actual tongues. It didn't say a translation. It said an interpretation. You could pray in tongues for 20 minutes and have a a 10-second interpretation of it and be right on the money. Amen? But it's designed to build you up so that you have that expectation of the supernatural in your life. And in today's church, what we've done is we've distanced ourselves from the source that saved us. I wasn't saved because somebody preached a good sermon. I was saved because Jesus Christ spoke to me. Amen. He uses preachers. But if God's spirit doesn't touch the person, I don't care how good the sermon is, there's not going to be any response. But when God's spirit is moving and, and awakening people and touching them, and we don't lose that. We don't get saved and say, I put that aside. Now I live the rest of my life out naturally. No, we stay in the supernatural for whatever we're facing, whatever we're doing, and God leads and he guides and he brings you to the place of breakthrough and blessing awesomeness in your life i love a church when it's built up i build you up every sunday every wednesday i build you up but i'm talking about building yourself up in the spirit building yourself up by the power of god building yourself that's what i'm talking about where your expectation goes through the roof and you see things and experience things that you would never experience if it wasn't by the spirit you know i think right now we need a praise break come on come on give god a praise break This is so powerful that it will, in fact, change your life and transform you when you see the power in this. The Holy Spirit wants you to be filled with the Holy Ghost as often as you possibly can. He wants to start your day off in prayer, get filled with the Spirit. Because I don't know about you, but it seems like the Holy Spirit leaks out during the week. He wants you to be built up, filled up, by the Spirit, so that you have that supernatural expectation that God will lead you, that God will guide you, that God will move you here and move you there. Some of the greatest times God has spoken to me is in a church service when I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. That's when I seem to have an ear to hear what the Spirit says, or at home, in the middle of the night, I begin to pray, the Holy Spirit falls, the presence gets tangible, and I begin to hear from God in a way that I didn't before, and it will, in fact, transform your life. I want you to listen to this. This is going to help you. In today's church, we stopped expecting the supernatural because we have looked many times at Scripture in the wrong way. And we think, well, you know, God's just punishing me. After all, I did this when I was a child, or I had an abortion when I was younger, or, or this or that, or this and my third husband, whatever. And so I'm just kind of reaping the whirlwind, and God is punishing me. I want to tell you something about the judgment of God. God never punishes his children. Judge, listen to me. I want you to hear this. The judgments inside of Christ are different than the ones outside of Christ. At the great white throne judgment, the men and women will stand before God that have not accepted Jesus, and they'll be judged according to justice based on what they did in this life, and none of them will be good enough to go into heaven, and they'll all be cast in the lake of fire in different degrees. And it's all based on one thing. Is their name written in the Lamb's book of life? 
If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're born again, praise God. God will never punish you for your sins because he punished Jesus in his body for, uh, for that, which means God is not punishing you with your disease. God is not punishing you with a closed door. God is not punishing you uh, by this affliction or that affliction. He's not doing it at all in your life. But what God does do when he judges us, he judges us in mercy, in grace. I'll give you an example. There was a, a man who was sleeping with his father's wife or his stepmother. He had moved in with her. And it was in the church at Corinth. It was actually something that was despicable, even in Rome's time. And he tells the church, he says, when you get together in the power of the Spirit, I want you to do this. Hand him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit might be saved in the day of judgment. In other words, God's not the one going to kill him, but God is going to permit the devil to kill him and in God judging him, it means when he stands before Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, his works will be burned up by fire. But the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 3 that he will escape as a man through fire. It beats going to hell, doesn't it? When God judges us, it either opens up a reward from him or it closes it. It says, I can't bless you because... You're not judging yourself correctly. I can't bless you because you're doubting my promises. I can't give this to you because you're double-minded. That's how God judges us. He never punishes us. But how many want to receive the blessing of the Lord in your life? How many want to have your latter days better than your former? How many want to expect the supernatural in your life? Supernatural increase, supernatural health, supernatural breakthroughs, supernatural healing, supernatural open doors, supernatural. That's going to come if you're constantly filled with the Spirit and you get under the influence of the Holy Ghost so that you can resist the doubt, you can resist the fear, and you can follow God with all your heart and with all your strength amen that's what god wants to do for you in your life now i'm going to give you a key to this that i think will unlock a lot of doors for many of you here this morning and it's a it's a very special key years ago when joyce and i we uh we lived on six acres in a, a mobile home and uh during that those days i decided i was going to be kind of a farmer so i did a garden a small garden i think it was 20 by 20 and, and I remember going down to the, to the store there and getting the little seeds, and then I put a little stick on the different rows, and you would know what to expect based on what seeds you sowed that was on the package. So I, that, that's how I expected corn, expected lettuce, expected cucumbers, whatever. I'd always look at that, and that's how I'd expect. I want you to see this verse. First, Peter, put it up here. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, say seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and bites forever. In other words, this Bible is seed. This is seed. It is eternal. It is life-giving. It is unperishable. If you take that seed that is in the word on healing, deposit it in your heart, it will produce that in your life. But you can't really expect the supernatural unless you sow it in your heart. You got to sow the, the word on family in your heart. You got to sow the word on, on marriage in your 
heart. And if you do and you keep that word inside of you, it will always produce fruit from you. And there's a supernatural expectation that my latter days will be better than my former, that God will give me double for my trouble because I got the word inside of me that God will free me, hallelujah, from whatever it is pressing if I get that word inside of me and keep it under the soil. I was doing a study on this, and they found the seed. This seed, they estimate, is 35,000 years old. And it was 124 feet under the soil. It was in ice. And they got it out, and some squirrel or whatever had put it there. And uh, they planted it and grew a plant. The seed was 35,000 years old. Now, what's powerful about it is, is the seed itself, that type of plant still existed. But they found another seed. This one was 2,000 years old, but it came from a palm tree that was extinct. No longer you have those palm trees. They took the seed, and this was in the desert next to Jerusalem, and they put it in the ground, and they sowed an extinct tree, and it produced fruit. Now they're no longer extinct. My point is this. Healing happened in the past. That word is not extinct. If you take that word and you put it inside of your heart, the same miracles that raised up people in the Bible will be raised up in your life. The same breakthrough will be for you. That seed is, is, is incorruptible. It's imperishable. Hallelujah. Don't base it on what you've experienced. Base it on what the Bible says. There's reasons why things don't work out, but the word of God never changes the word will transform you i want you to expect that you'll never die from covid i want you to expect that god no evil will befall you or plague come nigh thy dwelling i want you to expect that your latter days are going to be better than your former i want you to expect that god's going to give you an inheritance for your children's children Supernatural. Supernatural expecting. Here's where the problem comes. We put the word in our hearts, but once it gets in our hearts, sometimes we take it back out. What would a farmer do if he put a seed in the ground, came out the next day and dug it up and said, how's it doing? It would never grow. You got to leave it inside your heart. When I was standing in faith for my healing, of allergies I put the word in my heart and said Lord I believe I receive not according to me but according to your word your word said himself took up my infirmities and bore away my, my pains your word said that you forgive our iniquities and heal us all of our diseases your word said by your stripes I've got it in my heart I believe I receive and every day I'd go out and pray in the spirit and thank God for the seed that I had inside of me and thank God that it was growing and within nine months I was healed of something that tormented me all of my life and it has been gone ever since I've even went to doctors and they can't find and I was so sick all the time had to take shots every stinking week. Now I don't get no needles in the arm. Now I got Jesus. Now I got healing. Now I got deliverance. Hallelujah. Amen. You got to expect the supernatural. 
Man, when you expect the supernatural like that, everything begins to change in your life, and it really begins to transform you in a way that will just bring the best out of your life. But you've got to, my friend, be filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got to constantly come to church for that one purpose. I want to be filled today. I had a rough week, but I need to be filled today. I had some rough things that happened. How many know that we live in a very, very difficult society right now? We live in a time that is very depressive, a time that is very hard to handle what is going on in our lives. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14 about tongues. He quoted from the book of Isaiah, and the book of Isaiah says this about tongues. It says, they will speak and stammering lips to the people, but they will not listen. And then it said this, this is that which brings rest and refreshing. In other words, this is the very thing that is going to give you the ability to rest in the middle of the storm, to rest in the middle of the pressure, to rest in the middle of the breakup, to rest in the middle of the financial difficulty, to rest in it. It's going to build you up. You're going to become invincible in the time of trouble. That's why I'm giving this, so that you can build yourself up and be strong when the winds are blowing and the rain is pouring and your life is being depressed. Something will happen inside. Lord, I don't I don't know what's going on but i feel like you're here i thank you lord i thank you i give you praise lord thank you lord thank you lord it's powerful and it will change the way that you look at things it'll transform you it'll bring you to a place of some of the greatest blessings in your life but you have to be willing to embrace it and receive it in your life. I want to read to you a verse in Hebrews. Put it up there, chapter 10, verse 25. And I want to show you a key to being filled. Are you ready? Not forsaking the assembly of itself together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Paul said that for one reason. Without constantly pursuing being filled with the spirit you're going to eventually fall from your faith in some measure people say well you don't really know to you don't really need to go to church to be a christian no you're a christian because you're born again but if you're born again you don't want to forsake the gathering together of the saints i had a woman interviewing from channel 13 during the pandemic she said pastor should christians go to church on sunday during the pandemic i said well what did jesus say and i said here's what he said he said man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god and then i said this do you get groceries every week do you make sure you got food yeah i get food i get food i said what makes you think that we don't need to get spiritual food. 
It's just as important to get spiritual food in a church as it is to go in a grocery store. In fact, Jesus says, you're not going to live off that. You're going to live off my word. My word's going to transform you. My word's going to change you. So as far as this house is concerned, we and the Lord, we're going to stay open. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what the governor says. We're going to stay open. We're going to worship God. Hallelujah, because we are called by God to feed on this. America needs a miracle. They're not going to get a miracle if we don't rise up and expect the supernatural in our country, the supernatural to break drug addiction and all the terrible things that are happening in America today. We need the church to be strong in this area and receive the blessing of the Lord. I want to read to you a verse that relates to many of you here that have been saved. And that's in John's gospel. Put it on the screen, and I'll wind down with this. You did not choose me, but I chose you, appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he he may give you. You know how I got saved? I didn't get saved because I was looking to get saved. I got saved because I was sitting at home and I got a godly woman that was praying for this ungodly man that she was married to and she was praying at church for me and Jesus Christ spoke to me the first time I'd ever heard God speak to me. He spoke to me and he said, I want you to open up the Bible and read it. And I opened it up and as I began to read it, I realized God wrote this. God's talking to me. And I gave my life several weeks after that in that experience with God. That's how I got saved. I didn't seek him. He sought me. Every one of you, you're not saved because you sought God. You're saved because God sought after you. Hallelujah. Reminds me of a story. It's a beautiful story. It was of an auctioneer. And he had this old violin, very old violin. It was all chipped up. All the paint was tarnished. It was in pretty bad shape. But he'd been asked to sell it at an auction. So he gets up and goes, I don't know what I'm going to do. This thing's really beat up. He says, how many give me $5 for this violin? No hands went up. How many give me $4 for this violin? No hands go up. How many give me $3? And he got down to the $1. There was an elderly gentleman in the back of the the auction. And he stands up and he starts walking towards the front. He goes up and he picks up his violin, puts it on his thing, and he begins to tune it. And then he started playing it. Oh, he was so beautiful. He started playing this violin, and the crowd was awestruck. It was beautiful. It was such a great melody and harmony. He played that thing, and the, and the whole place was just in awe how beautiful it was. And then he stopped, gave it back to the auctioneer. And the auctioneer said, Who gave me $1,000 for this violin? Hand went up. Who gives me 2000 Another hand goes up. Hey, who gives me three? Went all the way up to five. And he said, and then, then into the auction, and the crowd went crazy. Wow. And then some of the people in the, in, the, in the auction, they said, how did he do that? It's a piece of junk. And the auctioneer said, it was a piece of junk until the master touched it.
you were a piece of junk until God touched you. You had been battered. You had been bruised. You had been dropped. Your tarnish was God. But when the master touched you and the master spoke to you, your value went through the roof. Come on, give God praise, everybody. Give God praise, everybody. We got such a, such a good reason to praise God because I was nothing until God made me into something. You were nothing until God made you into something. It was his touch. And that's what this message is all about, his touch. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.